Ends well boxing. After so much uncertainty and so much doubt, the 28th Olympics has finally come around. Over a short series of episodes, I'm going to try, document, profile, highlight each boxer and their journey to the Tokyo Games. As we follow the magnificent Boxing 7 over the next 19 days, we'll also bring you some information, some fun, some trivia and no shortage of stories. And hopefully shine a light on a side of these fighters that you just might not have seen. And you're welcome on in indeed. For the next 19 days, the eyes of the world will be fixed on Tokyo. 19 days of exciting, exhilarating, enthralling and emotional competition. 205 nations of all different sizes from all around the world. Over 11,000 athletes. But more importantly, after a delay of 12 months, a record-sized Team Ireland of 116 athletes, primed and ready. But of course, of course, the focus here for Enswell Boxing is the Magnificent Seven. Our flag bearers, Kelly Harrington and Brendan Irvine, accompanied by their teammates, Kurt Walker, Emmett Brennan, Michaela and Aidan Walsh and Aoife O'Rourke, continue and carry that rampant form that saw them qualify in marauding style in the Paris qualifiers only a few short weeks ago. And if it's anything like that, anything remotely close, we are in for a sensational 19 days. In each episode, we're going to highlight a couple of the fighters, get some stories about them from their coaches, from their family members, those who have been front and centre, right by their side, throughout the uncertainty of lockdown, all the way up to boarding the plane, and now on the cusp of greatness. Each one is already enshrined in Irish sporting history, already a mammoth achievement to qualify and be forever an Olympic athlete. But who will take that step farther? Who will join the likes of Huey Russell, Michael Carruth, Wayne McCullough, Kenny Egan, Darren Sutherland, John John, the list goes on and on. So for all the twists and turns, the humps and bumps, the highs and lows, whatever it brings, we'll bring it all here on Enswell Boxing. We'll have some past medal winners, we'll have past Olympians, current and past professional boxers who have been there right at that cold face. They know that it takes. And there's only one thing I'm going to ask, one thing. Reach out to the fighters, get behind them. Send them your messages, be it on Twitter, be it Facebook, be it Instagram, or all of the above. And just remind them, let them know. You're behind them, we're behind them every step of the way and use the hashtag green for gold. One question you're going to hear me ask most, if not all, of the guests over these couple of episodes is the magic of the Olympics. Is it still there? Is it still what it was? Is it still the greatest show on earth? For me, growing up, the Olympics was a lot of different things. It was a chance to watch sports that you would never see, really and truly. You wouldn't watch swimming, you wouldn't watch sprinting, you wouldn't watch... All sorts of different sport. And I'm sure people at different points in their life have different memories. Whether it's whether it's Irish sporting heroes winning medals or maybe a little bit farther afield. What are you looking at? I can remember Ben Johnson, the 100 metres rivalries that he had, of course, with Carl Lewis. And then the ultimate controversy when he won in such emphatic style in under 10 seconds, 100 metres. And then, of course, only to be stripped because doping with my very first very, very first memory of doping in sport. Something, I guess, which has never gone away. And sadly, it has uh, visited our own shores here with some of our own athletes over the years. But I'm not going to get too deep into that at all. One thing that I've noticed over the last couple of days and weeks 
with the qualifiers being so close in proximity to actually flying out to camp then for the pre-Olympics training, we haven't seen or heard much of them. They had their launch days. It was very focused, very businesslike, very secluded, which I don't think anybody can have an issue with. You hear a lot of talk in certain areas about the inexperience of this team by comparison. And when you look back at Rio 2016... That team was by far the most experienced Irish boxing team to travel to an Olympic Games. By far. In the light heavies, of course, was Joe Ward, Michael O'Reilly, middleweight, welterweight Stephen Donnelly, lightweight Davy Oliver-Joyce, bantamweight was Mick Conlon, flyweight Brendan Irvine, and light fly, of course, was Paddy Barnes. We had, of course, Katie Taylor, was the defending Olympic champion and reigning world champion. So with all that experience, with all that silverware and medals, I suppose, in the background, came a massive amount of expectations and it really got off to the worst possible start with word of the drug test failures and everything else and it just went from there. None of the fighters covered themselves in glory and I think it's fair to say none of them really performed at the level that you would wish for with that experience. Now, there were extenuating circumstances towards the Billy Welsh saga rumbling in the background and then of course everything else fed into that. All things considered, that team came home with no medals and a serious cloud over Irish boxing, which did tend to carry on a little bit longer than we would have hoped. We had Irish IOC members arrested and detained and then fleeing the country. We had all sorts of things going on. And and it really did leave a bit of a, for want of a better word, a bit of a skid mark on any impressions or thoughts you may have had around the Olympics. The offshoot, lots of political wranglings going on in the background, lots of fighting and arguing, lots of squabbles, and all but one of that team gone whether they're retired, gone professional, or basically just not around anymore. Uh, We've got Brendan Irvine, who's back, of course, incredibly in his second Olympics. But the whole rest of the team is new. They've not been to an Olympics, and most of them haven't been to big tournaments before. What will that mean for them? Will it weigh on them? Will it it tell? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I I speak to Neil Lochran, the uh, renowned boxing journalist you'll hear maybe in this episode and in future episodes, as we speak about the inexperience of Paddy Barnes when they sent him to the Beijing Olympics, and there was a big, big debate, I would say a big argument at times as well, whether he was ready or whether he wasn't. He was being groomed for London. But he was progressing and improving at the rate of knots. They couldn't but send him. They, they sent him, and he delivered, and he performed. Sometimes, with inexperience, comes an abandon. You don't tend to overthink. You don't tend to overstress. You just go out and you do what you have to do. Another phrase you're going to hear a lot of, control the controllables, which is what they'll do. The draws are in, the times are in. They all know who they're going to face roughly when. Get to that in a few minutes also. My point here is, this is an inexperienced Irish team, but this is a supremely talented team. As per usual, the beginning of an Olympics, it'll fly over the heads of most, if not all, in the country. But as soon as... Any of these boxers become podium finishers, but they come into the, the medal ranks. That's, of course, when the media gets interested. That's when the people get interested. And that's when they only then will they start getting the credit they deserve. Let's not wait for that. As I said, get behind them. Hashtag green for gold. Let them know you're with them. Let them know you're following them. Let them know that you're watching. You're getting up whatever times. It's going to be a little bit tricky. But let me tell you this. It's worth it. It will be worth it. You can say you were one of the ones. You didn't wait for the glory. You got behind them when it counted. So who better to start us off on our series here than Kurt Walker? He will, of course, 
be the first one in the ring in about approximately 4am on Saturday morning against a Spanish opponent who, like himself, was a bronze medal European winner in 2017. Things to know about Kurt, he's, he's a Canal Bay Sea fighter. He's from Lisburn, which is about 10 miles from Belfast. It's a population of about 140,000. Uh, Canal BC and Lisburn are a proud tradition, proud, proud tradition of producing fighters. It was Lisburn Boxing Club, also, of course, provided John Rogers for the Munich 1972 theme. Kurt, when he walked through the doors at Canal, was barely 27 kilos, I understand, at 10 years of age. And then he walked, when he first walked through those doors, this man was here to greet him. And Jim Russell, the coach at Canal BC, talked to me this morning to tell me a little bit about Kurt and his impact and his importance to the club and the community of Lisburn. Well, it was not going to happen and it wasn't going to happen for Kurt and whatever, but it's all worked out the plan now. It's exciting times for everybody, I suppose, associated with the club. What's the feeling? Always an excitement and then Kurt's great too for the club, you know, when he was a kid. Always training hard. You know, even when he comes down to the club and he's not then for the national squad or a high performance, he'd call in there the old Friday or Monday. Trains as hard as the rest of them and He's quite honest and quite open, and he, and he says it with a cheeky grin. He was boiled when he started first, and it was a bit crazy, but how how wild was he, and, and how long was it before you could see there was something a little bit different, a little bit special there? It was nearly straight away, to be honest. He, I think Kurt did about taekwondo, and the, the wee taekwondo club closed down, and at the time, the boxing club was beside us, and he joined us on the, I think he joined us on the Monday night. Um, on the first Saturday, I had him on a club show. You know, we, he cleaned up straight away, and from the offset, that was him. He was away, you know. Yeah, it's been kind of an upward curve ever since. Right. And the one concern, and it's only an outside concern, I suppose, that I have from my point of view, is the the rest of the the rest of the team. I suppose they're on a they hit the ground running when they, the qualifier thing in Paris did not. They, they kind of had to, I suppose, the way everything was. But with himself, he's he's qualified so long ago, and I think so. There's pressure on them all, you know. Even there from yesterday, even for the draw, waiting for the draw. And but listen, it's in their own hands now. I think you know. One fight at a time, and if they get through the first fight, first contest, then it's on to just the next one, and I hope they all do well, and if everyone has a chance of a medal, you know. Another thing people mightn't be aware of, and this is not your first time around the track either, you've you've had, of course, the previous John Rogers, who, who went to Munich. Well, actually, John, John's at Lisbon, lad, he's so, basically, John boxed out of Lisbon Boxing Club. Ah, okay. That's so where Kurt started in Lisbon, and then we started a wee club, Canal, over the Canadian, so our club's only 10 years old, you know, so. So it's even better again. It's just, you know, relatively young club, and been pretty successful you know oh it's amazing it's amazing for the town I think that, that John was the last what year was Munich 72 72 yeah you go, that's some time so from 72 till now you're underground coaching kids you show everything that's been going on and what does it mean to the to the club and to the smaller kids in the in the town is not just to look up to him but for him to be there and, and as you say he's a present he's an ever present he's well he's trained the way and then I have to always tell the kids you know well you never know who's going to walk to the front door you know the club and like we, we lads are starting at 11 now and I'd say look I could be you there just need to knuckle down and stay in hard talking to another coach today I met up with him this morning for a coffee and we're speaking briefly and you know he's good feeling about it so we've all good feeling and look he can, he can go all the way just need that that we start Now long time listeners will also remember that I've been speaking with Kurt a lot on and off over the last couple of years I got to know him. He was a very, my, one of my early interviews. He was quite difficult, quite tricky, quite um, not so media savvy at the time. He now seems to be polished into a fellow who just looks like he's been around for forever. 
He's very comfortable. He's very mature. And I'm happy and glad and lucky, I guess, to have been able to click with him early on. He, he, the interview you're going to hear with me here is the night he came home from Minsk with a European gold medal. Barely two years ago now. It doesn't seem that long ago at all, but he was only in the door. and dare say about to tuck into some, some food and, and just chill out. And he took a call from me and we chatted about the rigours of a, of a tournament fighting and, and whether how it weighs on the body and then just in between days what he's doing when they're not fighting. And uh, just overall give it a little bit of an insight into Kurt Walker himself. I lost my Irish, I lost the Irish Championships the first two years and then I won it the third year. And that was my breakdown. I got on the Iron team and I actually didn't get on the Iron team, I got on the Iron team the year after that. So that was a really great. I never got been on ever since. So seven years, eight years. About 15. 15 I came in and then I went to the European Juniors to get beat the first fight. But it was a good experience for me after that. I won a load of World Youth Medals, European Youth Medals. And I just stayed in the senior team right through there. And I've been training here every day. I, I get to see, uh, I get to go to the heat, al- the altitude chamber. I train here with John, Damian Martin, Dee Kennedy, everyone, physios, everyone, whenever I want, ice baths. This is a great facility. Like, just shows you, like, when, whenever you invest in something, like, you get back. It's kind of something nice when I get back to Axel Rizbord. Like, the whole team was brilliant, even the ones that lost. Like, the f- margins were so. This this little rivalry that they tried to talk for a while, it, it wasn't even closed. It was good, it was good game plan and just even fitness fitness came through well for me and that especially in third round he kinda of slacked off of it and I was able to push up. I have it set now, like I'm working well now, we'll have our base, so it's, it's all about building on that now from now. It's a bit of a cliche, when you're winning you don't get tired and you don't get sore. Is is it the adrenaline carries you through? to be honest with you that turn was tough because fighting every second day it's just after the fight you only have a few hours to relax and you're, you're thinking about waiting again you know you have to wait the next day you're sore I was, I was sore everywhere I was doing my ice baths doing all this and then like you wake up the next day that's your day wait, making wait again so you don't really get a break like I was so I was so happy to get home and just chill out I don't even know what to do myself now I'm just sitting about my, my body I've been making this wait years so it's hard for me like but I've got, to, I've got to, when I do it right, it's not that, when I do it right, it's still hard, but it's just, it's, it's doable, you know. Mm. No, it depends, like, we, we kind of have our plans all before we go, so you can't, you know what to be doing and what not to be doing, but we will always get reminded as well. Mm. What's your weakness? What's your kryptonite? <laughs> Chinese. I did a Chinese oh. every night of the week. Now you're talking. And I, I've done that before, I've had Chinese every night of the week. <laughs> you need to get a sponsor. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, the guys just thank you, them and then. So I could just I would eat fast food. I could eat it three times a day and just keep doing that if I, if it wasn't a boxer. Like. People don't even know the half of what goes into it, and until you, until some of the stuff that people do just to get themselves into the ring, it, it that's the battle in itself. Uh, it really is. Indeed, when it comes to battling and the qualities and the attributes and the skills and all the depth needed to become a local champion to become a national champion and then to go on to be international and eventually Olympic athlete. There's a few coaches on this island who know what it takes, who have been there. They've been right beside fellas and girls as they've coached them and helped them along each step of the way. Ultimately, it will come down to the resilience, to the fortitude and to the what's in the marrow of each each boxer. But um, Jimmy Halpin is a coach of... Over 30 years experience. He was with St. Saviour's. He's been Dublin Docklands right now. He's been working with boxers like the late, great Darren Sutherland. He's worked with Kelly Harrington. And he is, of course, 
coach with Emmett Brennan, who boxes on the small hours of Sunday morning against the Uzbek. And Jimmy spoke to me on Friday night a little bit about Emmett himself, about the attributes, and just about coaching in general and his his experience. As he said, you don't you, you don't get any gillies in tournament like this and to test himself against guys of this caliber. You know what I mean? So it's it's what he wants. If you just go back to the new fight against the Sweden guy in in the box at the, for the qualifier, Yaman hit Emmett with his head. He hit him twice after the well after the judge the judge called break and he hit him he hit him late and then he hit him after the bell twice. And in fairness to the the commentator who was a Scotch guy, he turned around and says, "Isn't it a good job that Emmett Brennan is not an actor?" He said, he says, I've seen guys going down in the corner where after being hit after after the bell. What, what I always appreciate about him is what he is, he's an honest fighter. He's, he'll get down to the trenches for you. And what he what he gives you in the ring is always 100%. He may not box well, but he, you'll, you'll always get the effort. You know that this guy, you, you can trust this guy to put a performance on. That's the bottom line with him, really, Al, you know? There's something special about him. He's he's the ordinary man, and um, I said it to him about that last round. Uh, what were you thinking? Because the ref was clearly going out of his way. You could see it. It was got to the stage yeah. where he was doing everything he could to, and then he took the point off him. And I said, like, because I know what I was doing. But I was <laughs> lepping around the sitting room. I was like, no. And he just said, look, I knew. I just if I boxed and kept my head. But the funny part about that was when he came back to the club and we were talking about it. I said, you know, the referee this and that. He said. Waiting, waiting on the result of that split decision, even though it was unanimous. He says, I'm telling you now, Jimmy, he says, I was going to pick up that referee and throw him out of the <laughs> ring. He said, avoid the last time. So he wasn't as calm as he was. <laughs> he's in a great place mentally. Mentally, he's in a great place. His confidence is sky high. He doesn't care who he fights. That's the thing about him. Like, he, wants, he wants to test himself against these kind of guys, you know, and in twenty in twenty fifteen I went away with Billy Walsh and we went to the Strangia tournament. I couldn't believe the Uzbeks, they got eight into the final. Now it was a, like America and I was there at the time and all these kind of countries. But I couldn't believe the success that you were having with the backhand attacks. Mm. So when I came back to the club in twenty fifteen, I started walking with the lads and if you watch Emmett, Emmett throws a lot of backhands, leads with a, a lot of backhands. A lot of my boxers did, even even Kelly before before she left. Like I, I got Kelly in on it as well. Like backhand attacks, you know, all that sort of, and backhand attacks and switches. And this is where you'll see where Emmett where Emmett was having a lot of success. When Emmett won the twenty seventeen uh, seventy five kilos, he boxed he boxed three southpaws. And on his way to quarterfinal, semi-final, and final, and every one of them is backhand attacks one one of the fights, one of the three contests. It's just little things that you learn when you go away to these type of tournaments. Al, you know what I mean? Having coached again across the board, and you've the number of Olympians, a number of elite champions, to dedicate to being just to be an Olympian, as you say, with Kenny and with people like that. It's it's it's. Most people on Civic Street don't can't comprehend it. They've no idea what it takes or what it what. Can you see those traits early on, or are they a constant work in progress? You can definitely spot it. You can definitely spot a kid who has that, who has the desire. Like he has, he's he's courage to bond that that lad. You know what I mean? He's he loves he loves you. You'll see him yourself. You know he he put in. I think this is going to be a cracking fight. 
I've I've really fancied him against this guy's uh, uh, of whatever his name is. Yeah, the Uzbek. You know, I think I fancy him against this guy. Each boxer is an individual. You know, it, it, you're, you're dealing with different characters with with different attitudes and different. It's it's like if you look at Kenny Egan there last night, the way he explained, even though even though he had the drink problem, he still had that desire. Yeah. And the determination to fulfill his ambition. There was better technical fighters in the high performance than him who didn't last. And this is what he, he pointed out last night. And I thought, I thought, it, was, I thought it was very, very valid, Al, that, that he pointed that out. That he says, like, I wasn't technically the best boxer in the, in the, in the high performance. But he outlasted an awful lot of the kids who were technically better than him. Because they didn't have that desire, that determination, that attitude uh, to tick all the boxes, the lifestyle, all that sort. It's it's such a demanding sport. What I'll always say to a boxer is be be unpredictable. Do not do the same thing all the time. Do something a little bit extraordinary, something that pulled the shots out, out of the fire. Now to look at Catalog Grady who only rang me there last week, he was saying, Yeah, are you forgetting about me now? He'd hurt you with speed. You know, it like There'd be so much power in the speed of his punches that you wouldn't see them coming. That they, they, he'd knock you out. With, he'd knock you out with a jab, Darren would, you know. And that's the thing with Emmett. Emmett, Emmett, Emmett was never technically brilliant on his feet. He always had a little problem with his feet when he was a younger kid, and uh, we always had to walk around that. Like you won't, you'll never see him dancing around the ring the way, the way the English guy, the GB fella, your man Whitaker, and all that sort of thing. You'll see, you'll see Emmett, Emmett will walk to his strengths. Emmett will close the guy down, walk him down. And I'm always telling them, take up the space, then punch. Never punch out of range. Take up the space, punch. Do your walk inside. And when you get inside, let the referee drag you out of there. Because that's where, that's where your best, that, that's where you do your best walk is inside. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to win a fight, uh, at middle to long range. You know, this is why I'm delighted with this kind of guy that he's he's meeting uh, Rosmetov. This this guy he'll, he'll fight a bit. You know, he won't he won't run away from Emmett anyway. I'd rather Emmett be in a fight than be in a, a technical contest. You know, it, it suits Emmett better that uh, that he that he's actually fighting. You know. And when you look at the importance Emmett's impact and his value and his importance to the club to the community, how special is it to have another have a fellow not just an Olympian but somebody who is who is Emmett Brennan? He's absolutely priceless. And of course, we wish Emmett the very, very best. We get behind him, as I said. Hashtag green for gold. Let him know you're thinking about him. Let him know your thoughts. Send him your wishes. And thank you, Jimmy, for your time. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to chatting to you as the games progress. Now... As I started to plan this, record it, put it together, lots of different calls, lots of different messages out, some are coming back at different times than others. And I had planned and hoped to get this out on Friday night, but it didn't happen, so it's now going out on Saturday night. And one of the concerns, and any of the concerns we had about our main man, Kurt Walker, were... (laughs) We needn't have worried. He delivered a performance last night that that we could have wished and dreamed for. Yes, I was worried that maybe a spell uh, out of competition and uh, everything that went on in his personal life with the... just perhaps may have weighed on him and may have 
effect to the performance didn't happen. It didn't happen. If anything, I would say it fueled the fire. That fire raged, burned, and he delivered a dominant performance. So big up and props to Kurt Walker for a fantastic performance, a fantastic win, and a brilliant kickstart for the rest of the team. Now, why was I worried? Well, here's the thing. the One of the biggest rivalries going into this games, and one scene who was the most likely to push Kurt all the way, was Liverpool f- slickster Peter McGrail. He's gone. He's gone. He qualified last year at the London event, and he went out in the first round to, I would say, somebody who wasn't fancied, wasn't expected to beat him. So that's why I was worried. Now, you want a little Brucey bonus. You want a little little bit of extra. And I promise over these episodes we're going to go beyond the pale. We're going to look for stuff that not everybody else would think of normally. A fellow who knows all about boxing internationally. He knows all about winning Olympic junior medals. He knows winning about world junior championships. He went on to be a unified bantamweight world champion. He's from Belfast, Ryan Burnett. And Ryan chatted to me on Saturday afternoon as he beat a trail through a busy, bustling Belfast city. And I chatted to Ryan about the likely impact of Kurt's win, his performance for the rest of the team, about the rigours of performing in competition. And another topic everybody seems to be talking about is the lack of a crowd and the likely impact on the fighters. How big an impact will that be for the rest of the team, to see him go out not just to win, but to win in the dominant style? I do. I think the rest of the team will take a breath and go, OK, well, that's the first one done. Do you know what I mean? They'll definitely take a, an uplift step from it. Definitely. Big discussion points, Ryan, at the moment. And, and one of them, I suppose, is the, the impact or their lack of, of a crowd. I don't, I don't think so. The reason being, when you're preparing for these fights, you're in the gym and you're sparring. Now, sparring's just as intense as, as a fight. So these boys are used to performing in the gym with no crowds sparring. Um, and to be honest, there's not... It's a mindset thing. And I think if the lads are in the correct mindset, I don't think no crowds being there will will affect them at all. Something that gets overlooked quite a lot is the demands, the physical and mental, of tournament boxing. So many fights close to one another. It had a big impact on you in Baku. How tough is it? How exa- exactly how tough can it be on these guys as they're, as they're going through their, their, their daily routines? I think it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, I think they changed it just after mine where they had to have a day's rest in between. But when I was in Baku... I fought six days straight. I fought six people on six days, so uh, that was really tough. Um, I think with a day in between, it might make it a little bit easier, but now they're not using head guards and stuff, which sort of ups the risk a bit. Um, but yeah, fighting so close together, it is a, it's because you're going from one opponent, one opponent to another in such a quick time, quick time frame, you know, so it's definitely demanding, demanding on the mindset. So just before I wrap up this first Olympic episode of Enswell Boxing, I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown on the schedule for the next few days for the Irish fighters. There'll be plenty across the social media platforms here. Just keep an eye out for us. Don't forget, my hashtag here is green for gold. Hashtag green for gold. Special shout out as well to D Tag and of course to Junior Thompson tonight. And of course our pal Carly Skelly who fight on Pat Barrett's Black Flash Promotions card in Manchester tonight. But the schedule as we head across the weekend, Emmett Brennan of course is on the Sunday morning at about, around about 20 to 1 in the morning. And we look at Brendan Irvine, he's at I believe Monday morning in the small hours just around midnight, which is uh, Sunday night going into Monday morning. Michaela Walsh is at 6.30am I believe on Monday morning. 
Aidan Walsh then later on on Tuesday morning 3.30am Aoife O'Rourke she's on at uh, 20 past 10am on Wednesday morning and Kelly Harrington is last but not least at 3am on Friday that'll all be updated as we go along we'll let you know who they face as they win and we'll let you know where the podiums get closer and closer and as the medals get closer as always a special shout out and thanks to our sponsors here Ross, violent gentleman, thank you as always. And a special one is, of course, to Mick and Top Pro Sports, who we've been working with over the last while. If you're looking for any sort of gloves, if you're looking for bags, if you're looking for speedballs, if you're looking for anything like that, wraps, the whole lot, check the link below for Top Pro Sports, top brand here in Ireland. Keep an eye out as well. This is going to be put together into a video. It'll be on the YouTube channel very soon as well. I know we've a face for radio, but uh, gotta take that step forward eventually. That's about it from me and them until then. Thank you for taking time to listen. Please, please, please don't forget the hashtag green for gold. Sp- share it about. Get behind these fighters. This is a huge achievement to be there right now, to be in an Olympics in midst of everything that was going on. But now, now we're off to a winning start. And now Ireland's greatest Olympic sport gets a chance to start bringing home some more gold, silver, bronze, whatever the case may be. And they can't do it without the backing, the support, the love and the wishes who doesn't want to be standing in their sitting room in a couple of days' time with our on the vein playing the Irish flag being pulled up over their heads and medals being draped around their necks? Thanks to Jim Russell. Thanks to Jimmy Halpin. Thanks to Ryan Burnett. Thank you for listening, as I said. Please share the episode. Watch out for the next ones coming very soon ahead of the next group set of fights. And no matter what happens, where it happens, how it happens, why it happens or when it happens, don't forget. All's well that ends well. <laughs>